This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. And our offer code COMEDYFILMNERDS at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. everybody welcome to episode 302 it's pretty exciting it is 2016 come on now and we got a we haven't done a current episode in a while so we got a lot of movies to talk about we're going to do the hateful eight the big short the revenant and we're on a japanese film attack on titan um let's get right into our guest Let's do it. Let's get. That sounded weird. Ow. Let's yeah. get into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bend over, fucko. <laughs> it's been Guys. a couple of years since he's been on. Yeah. Right? Well, there's a little couple things changing in the garage. First of all, the guest has to. We have to get inside it. <laughs> yeah. I oh. didn't, uh, did not know this would involve surgery. Yeah. Uh, I don't like how 2016 is shaping up. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is a dark future. This yeah. is. It's a lot of uh, elective surgeries yeah. we're going to do in 2016 um, and yeah. tracking chips. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's what it is. Well, that's for my own safety. I yeah. appreciate that. If yeah. you guys are going to keep tabs on me yeah hey it looks like matt's in a bad neighborhood we better go get him yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is it's a bad All neighborhood right. stop going to north hollywood for the good donuts oh, I know. why are you go- why are you taking that gig there in iowa <laughs> don't do it uh ladies and gentlemen matt bell and that from Hi. Never not funny a special thing yeah um and many other Lots and art things. 19 art 19 oh yeah. we, we can, can say it out loud say, we can say it yeah. out loud the time yeah. is the time has come 2016 <laughs> it's time to uh, yeah. show the cards yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no shame anymore. No, no, no. It's gone from uh, an embarrassing little secret to uh, an actual yeah. business. Yeah. <laughs> that crazy. sounds familiar. God, yeah. I wish we could get to that one day. <laughs> We're still an embarrassing little secret <laughs> in this garage full of boxes full of merch. Yeah, that is completely unorganized. Oh, every God, time we fill a... an order, all, everything gets messed up. And every every day we go, God, we got to get an office. We're yeah. trying to find But you seat. know what? A special thing has an office, and it looks much like this room. There's lots of boxes. That's just the, the nature of doing what we do. You know, right. you, you or you you produce things and then you put them up for sale and they don't all sell out 100 percent all the time. <laughs> so you're going to have some boxes. That's the reality. But I have to look. Guess. You don't have to look right at me <laughs> with regard to my Palm Strike Dance Party CDs. But I'm going to guess. I didn't tell you to buy a hundred thousand of them. That was your guys. <laughs> the projections were pointing in one direction. Yeah. Those were the projections that you gave him. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, look, I'm very big in Guam. <laughs> it's gonna every single resident of Guam wants one of these. Every single one. Yeah, so. but I'm gonna guess though at your office you have what are they called? Uh, shelves? No, not really. No, no really? You no, it's, I'm telling you, it's almost. You've been there, right? Yeah, Graham? yeah, yeah. It's you've both been there. It's, but it's you don't just, have a weight bench. <laughs> no, no. We use the, the unsold stock of CDs as our weights to, oh, to build muscle. <laughs> And tone. Come on down to special thing and do some palm strike reps. <laughs> yeah, those are that's for if you're a really advanced weightlifter. Can you lift all the palm strikes? <laughs> you, you, know, you can actually win a box of palm strike CDs if you can lift all of them. 
It's like a carnival. Yeah, that's what you do. Guess the weight of all those Palm Strike CDs. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of CDs that we shouldn't have produced. <laughs> that's just, you're yeah. just focusing on one of them. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about just nine years of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love Palm Strike. Uh, yeah. <laughs> love it. Uh, My favorite covers. It's ridiculous. It is a great cover. Lizella Stepone did a great job. So come on down to a special thing and clear out some inventory yeah. so these guys can yes. live We're some having a, a fire sale. Oh. <laughs> the, the marshal told us everything must go. Yeah. <laughs> so we are. Opening. Are you going to put that quote on your website? There's a lot of CDs we shouldn't have produced. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> records. Guess which ones. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I want to talk briefly. Um, did you guys watch the Golden Globes? Yes. No. Wow, Chris. <laughs> Don't you run a film website? Yes. Um, well, yeah. That's I why can't I didn't blame watch the you. Golden Globes. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Honestly, I, I feel like. Uh, Ricky Gervais did everything in his power to tell you to turn the television yeah, off. Yeah, I know. Like his whole shtick has become, um, why are you watching? Why this? am I here? Why are you watching? Why is, why are any of us doing this? This is terrible. It's a joke. It's not real. It's fixed. All of that shit. And obviously that, that's the Martian went for best comedy. Right. And, yeah, and even, yeah. and even Ridley Scott was like, yeah, comedy. And like, yeah, that was his first line. So it may as well be musical. Yeah, yeah, and then and then uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award winner Denzel Washington was like, "Look, they they told me to go to this party to hold up a magazine, take the picture, shake the hands, and then I won the award that year." And it's like, okay, well then if everybody's going to just admit this is a fucking sham, I don't right. know what's happening. Like, uh, but I still feel the need to watch it because it's like I like dissecting it. I like uh, uh-huh. uh, seeing you know, the, the couple of moments of sincerity and, and, uh, and like genuine emotion that come out of it. Yeah. I like that too. I mean, I, 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 and it is great to make fun of, I mean, it is my, the, the live tweeting these things has made me want to watch them again because I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a blast. And reading everybody's tweets, Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm like, Matt Myra had a couple that were just fucking killing me. Um, so I, that I like, and, 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 uh, I do, I mean, like when, when, Jim Carrey came out and presented a award and talked about, well, I've won it twice. Yeah. And said that several times all cocky. He says, you know what I dream of when I go to bed at night? A third. And then a finally I'll be complete. And yeah. it was really an awesome sentiment because at first it was like, it was funny. He's doing the classic sort of I'm better than you cocky character that a lot of people have done, mm-hmm. which is if it's done correctly, it's always funny. Mm-hmm, yep. But then he really pointed it out that it means nothing. Right. Like, it means nothing and yet everything to the people. And that's what Rick Gervais said that really does put the finger on it. Like, it only means anything to the people who win it. And to the people who win it, it apparently means everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's fair. That makes sense. It's, it's, it's uh, you're getting approval. You're getting acceptance from a group of people. Like, right. if you look at that room, I can't imagine, like, Rachel Bloom you guys might even know mm-hmm. uh you know one for uh for best actress in a comedy a tv comedy uh for my crazy ex-girlfriend or crazy ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. whatever and i just imagine looking at this is someone who who was a youtube uh person three years ago mm-hmm. had a youtube series she's looking out at the biggest movie right. stars right. in the world all looking at her i mean that's a, that must be just an insane feeling i had that one brie larson one because i'm like yeah. i've done doug loves movies right. with her right right at the ucb theater mm-hmm. 
in front of 90 people or whatever yeah. that theater holds like yeah and that was one of the best that was one of the best it's moments packed to me. at 90 yeah it's packed <laughs> exactly. it. that's people sitting on the stage yeah. you know but she was she was the perfect balance of like composed but genuine mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like clearly moved I, I i love that kind of thing i love when someone seems to have some perspective but at the same time they're right. like uh, I'm not going to act like I'm above this because honestly, you got to appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because any of us would want to win it. What, what, like what you can't act like you're better than this thing because you're in show business. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you wouldn't be in show right. business. If you legitimately just wanted to do it for the art, you wouldn't even be there. Right. You wouldn't care. You wouldn't show up. Right. You would just make your things yeah. and not accept these awards. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, I can think of like, you know, James Kahn did that in the 70s. Yeah. He said, go fuck yourself to the right. Academy or whatever. Or, Woody Allen does it, but I don't believe him. Like, yeah, for yeah, some yeah. reason, <laughs> like, you're, that's your that's your cool guy that's, pose that's, yeah. of like, I'm not going to show up. I believe Brando. Yeah. Because like, he's, he's genuinely nuts. He's out of, yeah, he was yeah. out of his goddamn I believe door. he, yeah, I, I feel like he um, meant every single word he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to send a Native yeah. American woman <laughs> right. to accept. And makes yes. perfect sense. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> well, we could back we, to my island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we could actually do a little. With all these Polynesian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we could do a little tease for the Academy Awards. We won't be live tweeting this year. We'll be doing something very special, and it'll be an audio um, uh, live simulcast. Yeah, with the, basically uh, like cool. live audio commentary. Nice. Uh, through a through a sponsor. Yes, so we'll be talking about that soon. But uh, buckle up, buckle that'll up. be that that'll be what three and a half hours of us running yeah. our mouths. <laughs> so the nominations, I believe, for the Oscars come out this Thursday, yes. the fourteenth. Yeah. Um. So we'll uh, we'll talk about all that. When Absolutely that comes out for sure. We'll probably have an you know we'll have an Oscar Oscar prediction mm-hmm. episode. And all that <laughs> shit. Um. So all right, let's. Uh, so yeah, the Golden Globes are overall, and and I'll say this. Uh, we're going to talk about this movie in a little bit, but Leonardo DiCaprio winning for The Revenant, like that cat has been shunned. Yeah. And him winning. So for best comedy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah of course. <laughs> yes, best bear fight scene yeah. in a comedy. Um, I was like, because I saw it and, and we'll get into it, but I was like, okay. This is his year. It feels like. I mean, I think he's won a Golden Globe before. He's never won an Oscar. Right. But uh, but it feels like, and I haven't seen The Revenant, unfortunately, yet. But um, So I'm going to plug my ears when you guys are talking about <laughs> it. But I do feel like it just feels like that's, everything's going that way. He did the things that even a guy that seems to be somehow like people don't want like he's too successful he's too handsome he's too everything for the academy to just be like okay you can have this at the age right. of 35 but um, well, it's also some of the roles he's picked and some of the movies he's been in it it kind of like got him away from the the uh perception that he's a really talented actor which he is but you know if you get movies like titanic or yeah. or what's eating gilbert grape it's like watching two completely different actors right but i, I feel and I like think, he, yeah had he done more gilbert grape type stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to the titanic Titanic right. fucked him for a decade, basically. But like, I do feel like he's been chasing it kind of hard. I think I mean, so too. Part of that is just like, look, he likes Wolf to work with Wall Scorsese, Street, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, anything Scorsese does is going to be in the running. But but it just feels like, and maybe I'm wrong. It, it could be not the case at all. But it just seems like he's trying so hard to make these mm-hmm. movies that will put him in the running. Whereas this one, I recommend seems to love it. Go if you watch the Sam Raimi's Quick and the Dead. He's mm-hmm. great in that mm-hmm. too. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. He was he was great. In uh, Django Unchained, you know, I mean, like he, mm-hmm. I, I liked seeing him do something different in that one mm-hmm. and um, not be a hero. It's not like Brad Pitt, who what, that guy. We're going to talk about the Big Short in a little while, so maybe I'll save it. But dude, 
stop producing movies where you're the best person in the movie. Like everybody else is an and asshole. And you know what his response to that would be? Why? <laughs> well, should we should we just start with a big short? Sure. Let's get yeah. into that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Matt, you saw it. I, I saw, saw it too. So what do you I haven't seen it yet. Okay. okay. Plug your ears. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a really, well, no spoilers. It's an interesting movie just from the perspective of can a movie about the driest, most boring topic possible be entertaining and entertaining in a very mainstream way. And like, I think for the most part, it does succeed at that. Uh, like there were little things I felt like it was almost again, I'm going to use this overused phrase that I just used, used with Leonardo DiCaprio, but it, maybe it was trying too hard on that level where for me, I actually was like, okay, look, I'm in. I, I want to know what this. I want to know what happened. I want to understand this better because I never understood it when it's about the the economic oh, what collapse. Actually the, yeah, like what actually the, the mortgage crisis. It. Yeah, the mortgage crisis in, in 2008. Like, I, I, I like. I'm interested in that topic. I, I feel like you just give it to me. The the things it does to try to spoon feed that. Some of them are clever and funny. Some of them I think are actually working against it. Like having uh, what's the woman's name? Margot Robbie or whatever. Yeah, right, right. She's in a hot tub explaining what a um, you know I, I forget what she's explaining because again it's distracting not in the sense that I'm like suddenly masturbating because I'm looking at a hot mm-hmm. woman in a jacuzzi it's just more like uh, I want to hear the information but it's like just having her deliver it in this weird setting was like they were trying to make it like, well, here's how we'll make this more digestible for you is have this attractive woman saying it. But to me, it was like, actually, that makes it harder for me to digest the information because there's so much else happening. There's like oh, right. multiple angles and like it's really so anyway. But but who for cares the most part, what she's talking about. Right. It's a beautiful woman in a hot bathtub. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, that's clearly the joke. But to me, it was almost like I actually think you needed to make it simple. I, I need to I need to absorb this and you're like taking my attention away from it in multiple ways but so there was no chalkboard by the hot tub right but but there's a lot of stuff where like there's direct camera addresses that i think were helpful and also funny and worked and i mean the cast is great you know uh carell is amazing like i'm always in awe of carell that he can still be steve carell but also completely disappear in a role um, like he did last year with um, Fox, Fox Catcher. Catcher. I mean, this is the right. thing that I've been loving too. Is specifically, I'm just like, so it was. So I was like, oh, good. Fox Catcher wasn't a one-off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He really wants to make good movies he, and do interesting things, which is awesome. That was great. And yeah. this guy was like, wow. Yeah, and and he's not funny at all. Although maybe like unintentionally a little bit, but like not unintentionally, but he's like dead serious. But some of the things he does is funny. He just says mean, sarcastic things (laughs) because the guy he's portraying is furious about the banking industry and what they get away with. So, and he's a, he's a gruff asshole. Like the guy Mm -hmm. is just a, like a a malcontent in general. And that's like kind of fun to watch. It's always funny when they're just (laughs) like, so you're just a fucking idiot then today. That's how you decided to live. You know, those kind of type people. Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you with Foxcatcher, man, you didn't even recognize him. He got so far into that role. Yeah. No, I mean, just creeped you out and whatever he was on camera. Oh God, he's fucking, he's a really good, he's a great actor. And, and like, but, but what I was going to say is Ryan Gosling is super funny Mm -hmm. in it. Like he's so fun to watch in this Mm -hmm. movie. And, um, and like, it's not, it's, it's one of those things where it's clearly, it's, it's based on a nonfiction book. It's not a, like a B A B C story. There's multiple characters that barely intersect. Some of them never meet each other. And so there's, that's kind of tough to pull off. So like the fact that I was engaged and entertained the whole time and actually felt like I learned something that I wanted to learn more about was interesting. I, I did feel like it didn't quite deliver that punch of, the good, not the good guys, but the our guys winning. Like when they finally win, it didn't feel 
that satisfying. And I think that's intentional in the sense because they didn't actually win. No, like no they, one went they, to prison. They got rich, yeah. but the fucking world ended. So it was like it was a Peric victory for them. I, I that, that part I actually liked mm-hmm. because I and I these guys who did this are not heroes. Right. They yeah, they were like, hey, guys, the, the building's on fire. The building's on fire. And no one said anything. So when we're going to make money when they made all their money, did they give it to the people who got screwed and got fucked out of right. their houses? Nope. Right. They went to the Hamptons. So fuck them. Yeah. Like they're just slightly less evil than the other fuckheads in Wall Street. Yeah. So and they kind of have, or at least Steve Carell's character has that moment of of like, and then and Brad Pitt again being you know an angel in disguise, yeah, right. the conscience has, of the film, yeah, has the moment where he's like, hey guys, stop high fiving the you know you just bet against the American or the world economy basically, right. and like so you're you're all excited for the fact that everyone's gonna get fucked except you and that's what you're excited about but the weird thing about the way it happened is but then yet his character to my knowledge still has not helped (laughs) out anybody so brad pitt you did not play a hero (laughs) right but like he yeah he sort of seemed to think that he was the one guy who was above it all right which again, just like in Twelve Years a Slave, it's like, dude. So you're the one white guy who is like in yeah, this yeah. in this movie. So of now, to be fair, devils. he might have the smaller house in the Hamptons. You know, <laughs> right? Well, he does. No, that's you're not wrong because his character is this guy who kind of quit the the business of uh, you know investment and banking, and he like lives in Boulder, Colorado, and right. does whatever. So he's like better than everybody, but he's still working. I don't know what the deal was really, what, mm, like what he's right. doing now. But I just felt like. It's kind of a conventional. Nothing movie. bad can happen to Brad Pitt in a movie now, right? <laughs> that no. he produces. <laughs> uh, that's what. That's the weirdest part. Is like when your name, when it's your company producing the film, it looks kind of weird when you're like the dude who's like mm-hmm. the coolest guy or right. the best guy. But I, I think for me, the movie is very conventional in the sense that it's like these guys are outsiders. It's a, it's a typical like outsider underdog story kind of of like nobody believes these crazy weirdos who think that everything's going to collapse. And so you expect it to end with at least some kind of version of them going in your face, fuckos, we were right. right, <laughs> and, right. They, and instead what actually happened, and I'm glad they stuck to the actual truth of what happened, but what happened was they never really got to like fully what they were doing was they were buying um uh what what's the term for like the the basically they're betting against bad loans bad or, loans yeah so and so theoretically well, they're shorting that's yeah what they're, they're shorting these these mortgages or these these packages of bad mortgages because and, when they were given they knew they were going to fail anyway these mortgages well it's it's so complicated and i seriously didn't retain it enough i saw it a few weeks ago so like i i can't lay it all out for you but what i do know is that they were buying they were short that who they were the transactions were happening with these big banks mm-hmm. and the big banks uh what would have been satisfying but not true is if they had actually gotten all the money that they should have gotten from buying you know from short shorting those things mm-hmm. but what actually happened was the banks weren't going to fa- like they they weren't going to be the ones left out in the cold on this so they basically like turned around and repackaged these things and sold them a million different places and that's what made everything melt down so what these guys did get rich but the they only got rich because they were able to get out before it completely collapsed instead of what should have happened or what they were hoping would happen which was that the banks would basically have to pay them for for seeing this problem the banks would have had to pay for their own arrogance 
to, right. to, because they felt like, look, housing is never, it's so stable. It's never going to be a problem. Like what you want to see is the banks get fucked by these guys who they were laughing at. The beginning of the movie is all these banks going like, okay, if you guys want to do this. Right. And then, <laughs> like, so, so as a movie, like it doesn't quite it doesn't quite hit the way you want a movie like this to hit where it's like, yay, the bad guys got fucking these little guys, but you're right. They are also the bad guys. So it's like, everybody's kind of a bad guy, which again, in movie terms, it's a little unsatisfying. You want to see the Wolf of Wall Street go to jail at the end. Someone, you want to see someone go to jail, but you also want to see somebody, if, if not that, if it's not like a, if it's not like a, um, that kind of story where, you know, like a, um, like a gangster movie where you're rooting for the bad guy in a sense, but then you know, he has to pay for his crimes. It's more like, can there be one person who's kind of, and I guess maybe the Christian Bale character is supposed to be that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's sort of, his actual, the actual guy does apparently have, you know, Asperger's. And so he's, that's yeah. why when he's like, oh, I read all of these mortgages. Yeah. He would, that's what he, he would do. Just go yeah. off for three days and just read. Yeah. Like went through every single part. Like these 10,000 mortgage agreements. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> because like, that's what these, these packages, these, you know, these toxic, mm-hmm. uh, Things where it was like a, it was a, 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 literally a, a ten thousand bad mortgages in one thing, and he would just go through and see every little detail. They were packaged it. together. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, like I had, like, like um, two <laughs> parallel opinions on this. Mm-hmm. As a film guy, I liked it. It was an entertaining movie. Uh, I liked what Adam McKay did. I was worried at the trailer that they were, it was going to be too wacky and slapsticky, but no, that was probably just the film company saying, well, we got to make it an Adam, you know? Yeah. And, and it, I felt like like how they good nights. Yeah, exactly. Like it had to, but (laughs) it is a tough sell. I mean, you got to admit, like, how do you get people to see this movie? Right. Cause, cause if you, if you were to just have, you like the book from what I understand is that stuff. Even in the movie, it's hard. It's like watching Syriana. Like, wait, yeah, what? Right. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so you're dealing with this very complex thing that if you don't have, like, a, at least a couple of degrees in this field, it's going to be hard for you to follow. So that's a trick. And I think as a filmmaker, he did a good job. And I like seeing a guy that's known just for comedy kind of getting outside of that mm-hmm. and doing it effectively. And I think he did a good job with that. Um you know, he did a good job in, in the Margot thing. Now that you say it, I was like, mm, Margot, that is that is effective. I don't remember what she was talking about. Right. I just remember her in a bathroom. But the whole, <laughs> the whole pitch was like, this is how we're going to make the audience, like, here's how we're going to make it palatable to understand right. this. But mm-hmm. there's other examples of that that work. Those like, are the, like the, the, casi- po- the, the cas- Yes. The, yeah. The poker one, the casino one. It's perfect. They, what they did is they, 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 they show a guy playing blackjack and he's betting. And then all these people are watching. And so he goes, so it would be like, this guy is betting against the house that my, my 19 is going to beat the dealers. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was blackjack. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know what the dealer has. So now the two people behind him bet, well, I think he's going to win. I think he's going to lose. Yeah. And they go, and it would be as though this happened and they show like a line of a yeah. thousand people all betting on each other's bet. Yeah. And then they're also throwing in like, well, because, Side because bets. it's more likely that she'll win. It was, it was, it was actually Selena Gomez, pop star Selena Gomez was yeah. the mm-hmm. one playing uh, blackjack. And so they're like, I'm going to bet, like, I'm going to bet that she wins. And, and he's like, but because that's, because I, we both think that's likely, I'll even give you these crazy yeah, odds. Yeah, I'll give you odds. And, oh, and so, right. and then, and then other people are betting on that bet and it just keeps going. And that's basically why the whole, because, because so many people started to agree that the housing market was going to collapse, that everybody was trying to short it at the same time. And then other people were trying to piggyback on that bet. And so, and then some people were also not going, 
Everyone was like, oh, the bubble will burst, but yeah. it probably, but it'll be okay. The, the, we'll these, be fine. We'll be fine. The, we'll the, keep- the top rated loans will be fine. Like the, 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 the B level bullshit stuff is going to collapse, but the A, you know, the prime or the, the yeah, the best mm-hmm. stuff that's stable. And then some, these two guys were like, we're going to, cause like nobody would take their money. They were like, we're going to bet on the, the top stuff. <laughs> like we're going to bet that that's even going to fail. And then, so it just started to snowball. But anyway, yeah, just like that's a great visualization. Just and seeing, we both remember hmm, it. Right. And we remember the substance of it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I don't even remember the thing that Margot Robbie was Not trying to explain. Not at all. Uh, um, was it derivatives? Yeah, sure. <laughs> it might've been, but, but so that, that stuff I liked and, and I, I like all these actors and it was yeah. really great to see them as a guy. Well, it sounds like it's a fun film. It's a fun film yeah. as a guy that, did go through foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to fucking set the theater on fire. <laughs> I wanted to hunt these guys down and say, like, I would love to meet these actual people and go, yeah. you're no fucking hero, asshole. Right. You owe, you know, because they put the stat at the end. Six million people lost their homes. One guy went to jail. One guy went to jail. Like, I remember, I remember my loan was with IndyMac, and I found this out later. One West Bank, which is owned by Deutsche Bank, bought my and millions of other loans for about 30 to 40% of their value. And then what they did, so then uh, fall of 08, I was starting to have trouble, right? Because I put all this time and money into Afghanistan. So I was not, and I fell behind. Well, actually I was 20, was the 27th day of the month. And I call the guy and I'd never been late on a payment. Don't be more than 30 days late. And this guy said, well, Bush had just given $700 million in stimulus money in September of 08. So this is like October, November. And this guy said, if you fall over 30 days behind, there's these programs now to help you out. I did that. They put me on what they call the forbearance. They cut my mortgage in half for three months. And in that three-month time, we'll restructure your loan with all the stimulus money. We'll get your payment down so it's more reasonable. I said, great. I got a tenant in to rent my place. After three months, they went, no, you don't qualify. Now you owe us 12 grand. They did that to me twice. Jesus. And then I call a lawyer and then the lawyer said, don't make payments anymore. And I'm just going off of all of these people's information. Don't make payments anymore. Uh, because once you go into foreclosure, they don't want you to foreclose. And Obama then passed another $700 billion. So $1.4 trillion in stimulus money was passed. Yeah. I didn't see a penny. (laughs) (laughs) Millions of other people didn't see a penny. So my place was at the beach. It was close to the beach. And I found all this out later. They, they had no intention of bailing me out because my property value, if they foreclosed and got me out of there and got someone in, you know, with a regular steady job, not some show business asshole, um, not some game show fuckhead that now is trying to make a movie about a war no one cares about, um, uh, from a comedian they hadn't heard of, then... Um, I should have sent them Palm Strike Dance Party. <laughs> well, that wasn't made yet, so this was 09. Yeah. And, to, and so that was the key. I should have made Palm Strike Dance Party then. Yep. Um, so, uh, so what they did, and what they did to me is what they did to millions of people. They went, oh, we got to get him out of here because we'll resell this. We'll make money because we only got the loan for 30% of its value. Right. Yeah, the, the short sale, they, they'll make money from They'll make yeah, money getting me out. A friend of mine who lived in West Adams, one of these neighborhoods that got way overinflated yeah. during the boom, the banks restructured him and his wife's loan. His wife, they weren't working and they, had, right. they figured that all out. Because, because they knew that weren't going to get the they'll money They'll never sell that house again. Yeah. So they cut their losses basically. But for you, yeah, that's that's rough when you were in prime, prime real estate. estate. Yeah. I was in prime real estate. I was four blocks wow. from the beach. 
So the the question is: Is this movie? So who's living in your house now? I don't know. <laughs> Let's go get them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's their fault too. It's, it's, <laughs> it's everybody's fault. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I couldn't go down that street for a year. Yeah, but, I can understand. But so that relating to this movie, yeah. to watch the inner workings of this, it, it was all a shell game. Uh, Everything from yeah. you know the subprime loans, and then uh, I remember even they tried to get us in a loan for the house. This was years ago, where. It's, oh, no, it's a great interest rate. And then five years, you know, when the variable rate kicks in, you just refinance. You don't have to worry yeah. about it. And then what exactly. happens is five years ago, people took those loans. Oh, yeah, we're not going to refinance you. Everyone was coming to me saying, well, your house keeps appreciating. Just to take this on. I was like, okay. Yeah. And maybe I should have done more research. Maybe part of the, I mean, I got to take some responsibility. But it's almost like if my brakes are squeaking and I go to my mechanic and he says, you're fine. Yeah. And my brakes go out. I mean, ultimately, I'm the driver in the eyes of the DMV, yeah. but I, I don't fucking know you're that. You were, afraid, doing what, you were doing what millions of other Americans yeah. were doing, yeah. which is just going along with what everybody who you met ta- and talked right. to about this was doing. My and, accountant said it was the good thing to do. Yeah. My accountant of at the time, 10, 10 years, was saying this is the good thing to do. The mortgage Because people, nobody thought, literally, <laughs> for what? I don't even know how far back you have to go. The Great Depression. Well, nobody housing, thought the world's economy was going to collapse. Yeah, but yeah. this was part of it. You know, nobody thought that that housing would be unstable. People were like, "Well, look, that's why this all started is because everyone was like, nothing's more stable than real estate. Like, right. Real estate's the rock. <laughs> right. That's the bedrock of the economy." I felt like everyone I talked to were those two guys in Florida. One of them from that uh, <laughs> Zoe Deschanel right. show. Yeah, the new girl, yeah. yeah, the new girl with the the, the bad tans, just yeah. like chicks, man. We got yeah. it. Loans yeah. and fucking booze. <laughs> I got my Beamer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just Beamers and strip clubs. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of great moments in the movie like that where. You see, and then when it goes down, they've already left the country. Well, you see those <laughs> guys, guys in line for a, like to apply for a job at IKEA, basically at the yeah. end of the movie. You and see that it's brutal, like it's sad. And but, but my question is: Is this movie, if anyone's seeing it, I'm not even sure if it's doing well. But I think it, it is doing well. And to, to say this real quick, the fact that I had that emotional response because I went to it. I think makes it a good movie. Yeah, I do. Because yes. if I would have gone through that and then watched this and went, mm, "It's the fuck," yeah, 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 I didn't feel. Anything. Then I didn't feel yeah. anything. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you went through a similar thing like this, mm-hmm. you know, go in there like on a full stomach without carrying any weapons. And, uh, <laughs> it's a well-made movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a well-made and well-acted movie. So, I, I, Mike, I, what I'm wondering though, because I, I feel like it's pretty clear just from seeing Adam McKay interviewed, and mm-hmm. I follow him on Twitter, but also just the movie itself, I think tells you that he wants like this is a bit of activist filmmaking, like for he, sure, right? He intends this to be a wake, a, a up, wake call. up call, yeah. and and he's even saying now, like I've seen more recently since it's come out that like. You know, he's like, look, uh, the, we're still we're back in the same fucking thing. They're they're still selling these things. They just renamed them. Yes, and and the and now the banking industry is sort of trying to spin their reaction to the movie has been interesting because they're kind of trying to spin that like, no, 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 it's everything's fine. Look, we know that there's still not enough regulation. Uh, we know that nobody went to jail. There's uh, no regulation. Uh, yeah, when so, you own every politician in both right. parties, yeah. what? So, but so, is this movie going to work? Like, can this movie help change? Like, will this be? Will like in in conjunction with Bernie Sanders running for president? Yeah. could this possibly make people more aware of the the problem and 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 get us to a solution? It's interesting, and 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 I felt the same way. Like, and how would people react to it too? Like, would they take a different loan? Like, after seeing this movie, like what? How would your behavior change if you're buying a house? Well, I'll tell you something. I read an article in USA Today, and I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he's some guy like 30 years old 
who's made a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like millennials, that's whatever, 30 and under, 32 and under, mm-hmm. saw their parents go through this. And yeah. a lot of them are like, don't buy a house. He's, yeah. he's a- Just rent. Yeah, he's yeah, like, don't yeah. do it. Not worth mm-hmm. it. He goes, invest in this, invest in technology. Right. He goes, pay rent. Everyone's like, oh, you're throwing. And I was one of those guys, oh, rent, you're throwing money in the street. Right. But not if rent is low and and houses are too expensive, which yeah. is well, that's yeah. that was the case for most of the time I've lived out here, which is why I'd never bought anything because right. I was like, it just seems too out of reach and ridiculous. And so I bought a house after all that went right. down, and I was lucky that I didn't uh, fall into that hole. But um, yeah, I, I think like the, on, what's happening really is that it's all been put on the the individual, like it's all been put on us as as the the public, the American public, right. to not be to not make the same mistake because the banks aren't changing and they're not going to help you no never and, never think no. for one second a bank is going to a help bank you. makes money <clears throat> off of everyone being in debt right that's their whole thing and again watch this movie and then watch the uh, i think it was the big lie the the one that matt damon was the um narrator narrator for the documentary uh-huh. about this basically mm-hmm. about the, the 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 collapse and how these like 10 financial dudes have been on Reagan's staff, Bush's, yeah. Clinton, Obama's, right, Bush, the right. other Bush. Like, yeah, yeah I, I just, I, quote, I think financial experts. Yeah, they just keep shuffling them around. The, the thing that's frustrating is that basically the banks are counting on us being so scared of this happening again that we will be more responsible. So they're putting it on us to be responsible so that they don't have to be responsible. You know what I mean? Cause like they're, they're doing, they're make they're selling these same products out there in, and, and the only difference now is that they're like, well, it's not going to happen again because people aren't going to be as crazy and dumb as they are. And there are now it, it's, there are certain restrictions now. It's a little bit harder. I remember there's definitely when, some stuff when I bought right? my house in 2012, it was crazy. And I talked to other people who had bought before the collapse and they were like, Oh, we never had to do all that. Like we had to jump through so many hoops. Yeah, there, we had, it's we had great credit. We had tons of savings. It's it was harder like, to get a mortgage. Now. Yeah, and, and and maybe it should be. It should, it should be. It definitely yeah, it should be. be. Mm-hmm. But if but if it's harder for us, it should be harder for the banks too. Like it right. Should, it should <laughs> like that's that's what's unfair. Oh, that and sounds bullshit. like socialism. <laughs> me, Trump sixteen. We're but, gonna make America great again. But now they're but now they're gambling. You know now now the banks are gambling. They're making the same bets. It's just this time they're like, well, look, we just went through all that. So it's it's, it's doubtful that people are going to. So, yeah, so don't let again. us do that again. Right. Hey, don't <laughs> let us get crazy. Like, look, we know how we get at parties. Yeah. yeah. Just don't. <laughs> yeah. And don't bring know. the tequila. That's yeah. it's your fault. It's your yeah. fault, guys. Why did you bring the tequila? Yeah. <laughs> we know how we get at parties. <laughs> hey, man, you bring the booze and I start <laughs> swinging at cats. Look in the mirror. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I do. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in this election. Uh, nobody really does. But, like, I, I think. Bernie Sanders is the only guy who's even talking about, hey, these assholes are still like they're still doing this. And that's why he's never on the news. Right. Exactly. It's literally. Right. Oh, it's, God. It's <laughs> they just they talk about Clinton and Trump. That's all. Yeah. They talk yeah. About. Trump's talking about banning Muslims. Yeah, so, and okay. Clinton, you know, Clinton, who's, they're all, she, she's pals with every right-wing fuckstick. Like, they're all in it together. I don't trust either one of those well, people. I, I hate to say it, because I voted for Bill Clinton twice, but he was the guy that deregulated the, the banks yeah. in the late mm-hmm. 90s. And that was the, one of the big uh, changes that happened between, you know, when I was growing up and, and 
you know, this the, basically the buildup to this collapse was mm-hmm. was that they were just running rampant. They were, you know, completely unchecked. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did that to, and it, it, it did have a short term positive effect on the on the economy. The economy was great, you know, at mm-hmm. the turn right. of the century. But but you know, everything the way with this de- deregulation and and no rules is what happens is you have a bubble economy then all yeah. the money flows into one place right. and then it just it's just like let's yeah. make casinos everywhere like <laughs> right. oh wow yeah, yeah. like yeah it's yeah it's and terrible. you know there are ones on the Vegas strip now that are empty empty <laughs> just, everyone's just put a Casino on the strip. You're not. How could you lose? Put a right. casino anywhere. Like everyone yeah. Yeah. in the '90s and housing and condos. That was the big thing. The mm-hmm. condos on the strip. That then all of a sudden, no, you can get them before they're built. You got to buy them cheap. And then guess what? Because who doesn't want to live on the I know. Vegas <laughs> strip? I know. Oh, God. The classiest Insane. possible place to start <laughs> like, a family. What? Why would you? Ever? I want my children to see prostitution. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Just crazy on dro- drivable billboards. <laughs> um, I want to see illegal immigrants hand out prostitute cards because that's. The only option for them. Yeah. It's a great system. It's a beautiful new world. <laughs> it's a completely prostitution-based economy. <laughs> so this is a uh, this is a work it. This is a work it. All right. Big short hashtag work it. Yeah, I so. think I think people will will enjoy it, and then like Graham and and myself uh, be angry. But maybe do something about it's it. It's a kind of an important thing to understand, you know, and and to and it's it, we should be angry. People should be yes. more angry about. Well, we it. talk about this on that we've talked about this show millions of times. It was vote with your dollars about yeah. what movies you right. want to see and mm-hmm. what products you buy, but also. Vote with your vote. Vote with your vote. <laughs> yeah. Register to vote. Yeah. And yes. if there's someone in this campaign that you're like, I prefer this person is not. Might actually talk about the economy. Isn't actually yeah, yeah. part of the fucking institutionalized right. bullshit. Like, if yeah. you think a billionaire is going to help you get your industrial job back, you're an, a drunk. Right. Yeah. Just look at the look at the record. You know, look at the voting records of the people. The- Rich people aren't going to help you. Right. No, it's not. Not in there. Our, our our system is built so that you 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 try to maximize your profit. That's that's the way right. capitalism works. That it it's fine if it's completely unchecked. It gets a little crazy and yeah. a little dangerous. Um, but they're not it. They're not even bad people necessarily. In all cases, well. they're just they're, <laughs> they're 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 doing their, everyone's doing their job. It's just that when your job entails. Ma- maximizing profits at the expense of millions of other people, then yeah, Maybe, it's yeah. a little bit uh, unethical. Job. But yeah. but but you can't count on those people to check themselves because they'll just get yeah. fired and someone else will be you know put in their place. Yeah, you're right. It does come down to the individual. Like, and I think it's true. Like in this sort of new economy that we're all kind of, it's so much. Everything is more democratized. Like even yeah. just specifically down to show business. Like. Yeah. You know, Pardo has said this numerous times. Would anyone give him a TV show called Never Not Funny where he can talk right. about whatever he wants? Right. Nope. The yeah. internet does. All right. these YouTube stars. Yeah. So it's sort of like there's take billboards control. with YouTube stars. Now. Yeah. Oh, uh, the other thing I heard, there's people making uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars unwrapping toys. Yeah. On no, the, the number one YouTube channel is a woman who just opens toys. Um, it's, that's Everything you know about the, media is wrong. wrong. She makes. How about the egg salad guy on uh, Kickstarter? <laughs> oh yeah, the guy who just is like, I'm going to make egg salad. I'm going to make egg salad. Probably did it as a joke and yeah. like five hundred thousand dollars or yeah. something. I don't know if he was allowed to collect on that because it was kind of a joke. But but yeah, but the woman who opens toys makes I think ten million dollars a year on YouTube just from advertising because her channel is the number one channel on YouTube and she's literally like taking a thing Un- of it's called, Disney it, princesses. It's a term. It's like unboxing. You're yeah. unboxing toys and then yeah. that's it. That's yeah. the thing. And it, and and she her videos, you look it up, her videos are get hundreds of millions of views. Um 
It's it's insane. Uh, and she's been at it for years. So she's a multimillionaire because she buys every single Disney product <laughs> and opens it on camera. <laughs> so I'm sure now she's not buying it anymore. They are, uh, the, the toy companies now send them to yeah, the exactly. stars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's free promotion. Right. She's basically, she figured out how to uh, get paid to make commercials without anyone asking her to do that. <laughs> <laughs> she's like basically a freelance advertising person, <laughs> like a one-man band for... For promotional content. So, all right. Well, wow. should this we? Uh, this is insane. Let's. Uh, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, right. you're literally I looking I'm at it. I'm not sure I meant literally. <laughs> at it. Sorry, I needed to see it right now. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about another movie. Uh, let's go to the Hateful Eight. Oh. Uh, the Hateful Eight. La 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 la. Okay. Yeah. I won't get into any spoilers, but. Um, okay. Thank you. I went and saw the 70 millimeter version. Okay. Um, where they give you a program. Yeah. You walk in and there's an overture. There's just a a slide up and this music's playing. Mm. Uh, It has an intermission. Yes. And I'm going to talk about intermissions. They're great ideas. And I say this when the the first time I did a comedy tour in Australia. Now, like Australia and the UK, they take intermissions. They'll have like three or four opening acts, then an intermission, Mm. then the headliner. Hmm. And the first time I did that, I was like... Uh, I'm like, idea. there's a break, and then yeah. some guy's going to do five minutes and then bring me up to headline? I'm like, oh, God. It's awesome. Wow. Everybody goes to the bathroom. Everybody, so no one's getting up during the show. Yeah. I mean, that might happen, but it's rare. Uh, everyone, the talking is minimalized because they know we can talk about it at the intermission. They oh. can talk, check their phones, get all that shit out of their system, hmm. walk around, stretch their legs, get another drink, and sit down, and it's great. And... Because you notice, you know, when I headline in the States, they get antsy, mm-hmm. get, people get up and, you know, after the after the feature act, before the headliner half mm-hmm. them gets up and goes to the goddamn bathroom anyway, because they've been sitting and drinking for yeah. 45 minutes. <laughs> so And you also have a check drop during your set, You have a check drop, yeah. um, which some clubs are doing it at the end of the show, which is great. Mm-hmm. But the intermission, man, I don't know why we're so afraid of it here. And it was great. So this is a three-hour movie or whatever. Yes, it is. So that's a long time to sit. Yes. Um, so and watch people in a cabin. And watch people in a cabin. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm going to finish, and then I think I might have a counterpoint. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I like that. Um, and the opening, the action doesn't really pick up till about halfway through. Um, it's very, the 70 millimeter I thought was a cool idea. Where, uh, which, which theater did you go to? Just, like, I saw it at the, the Cinemark at the Howard Hughes Center. Okay. I wish I would have seen it on a bigger screen. Like, I wish I could have seen it on, like, the Cinerama Dome. That's what I'm kind of waiting for, actually, mm-hmm. because I'm sure everyone heard, or at least people here seem to know about the big uh, kerfluffle with Tarantino and Disney. Basically, Disney said to Arclight, it, it, the, Tarantino had booked the Cinerama Dome for Hateful Eight on Christmas Day. And Disney said, oh, um, no, you're going to keep Star Wars in there. Uh, if you don't, we're going to pull Star Wars from all Arclight theaters. And they were like, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Tarantino was pissed and, and ranted about it publicly as much as he possibly could. And um, That's not like him. No, I know. Usually he's so soft-spoken. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, his speech retiring. at the Golden Globes wasn't weird at all. <laughs> no. creepy, that was totally appropriate. <laughs> he, called, he called film scores a, a, the musical ghetto. Uh, which then Jamie Foxx rightly came up and was like, ghetto, and just like completely right. gave him shade. But like, I, I just, I want to see it on that screen. I don't right. want to fucking see it on a, because it's at the arc light, but it's in like one of the multiplex things. Right. And I'm like, uh-huh. those aren't bad screens, but they're not. Like, you really can't, I mean, the, the Cinerama screen, dome screen is probably the only screen that was designed for Super millimeter. Panavision. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 
so yeah, that's the thing. Like if it was cool, but it, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm glad I went to the version. I like the overture and I like the program. I just like that sort of making it an event yeah. and a special yeah. thing. It's not everywhere, but if you, you got to see it on the biggest screen possible. I'm, so I'm waiting. I'm hoping that eventually they'll get, they'll put it in the dome. Because the opening had a lot of, the first half of the movie had a lot of sweeping landscapes and very felt sort of methodical uh, John Ford, Howard Hawks westerns yeah. that are really cool. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I like that. Um, is it is it the best Tarantino movie of the, of his eight? Nah. I put it probably in the bottom four. I put the Kill Bill up there and I'll probably put, you know, Kill Bill one and two up there and maybe, I don't know, something. Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Pulp Fiction. Um, I would put, uh, you know, I like Jackie Brown. It's, yeah. it's, it's good. It's not, it's, it's not like, oh, complete dud. I mean, I just like it. Better movies. or worse than Django for you? I thought it was better than Django, personally. Really? I like yeah. Django a lot. I, I guess a huh. lot of people didn't. I, I feel like... I like Django. No, yeah. there's, no, there's no Quentin Tarantino movie I just ugh, don't like. The, the only, I don't, there's none to me, the only one is, is um, Death Proof. Like, that's the one that I'm just... Oh, that's... that's good, actually, you're right. I forgot about that one. That one, I just kind just, of was... I just don't... Because yeah, of that, that Grindhouse double feature. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. care. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. just Kurt Russell talking too much. I literally forgot about that movie. Yeah, that shows you. Yeah. Well, it's, what's weird is I went into that one going, okay, I'm going to tolerate the Rodriguez part of it to see the <laughs> Tarantino thing. And then it turned out I actually loved the, the Rodriguez, Rodriguez yeah. part. It's great. It was better. It's, it's a better it's movie. exactly what it should have been, right. whereas Tarantino like took it way too seriously and was like, I'm going to make an art house grindhouse movie. Right. Whereas Rodriguez is like, I'm literally going to make a, a grindhouse movie right. that's mm-hmm. entertaining. Like, that's the main thing those movies have to be. Yes. And his was just so boring. boring. Um, but Very other than chatty. that one. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't think, to me, Kill Bill doesn't quite work. Like, I, I, oh, I think. What? dare you? I think Kill Bill should have been one movie, one great movie, instead of two overlong halves of movies. But. I, I, you know, that, that's, that's just me. Like, I, I think there's a lot of fat on that, on that, uh, that animal. <laughs> you gotta trim it, <laughs> gotta trim the fat. That's a lot of his movies. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I agree with that. And this movie too. But All right. yeah, so Chris, yeah, right. that's, you're coming from This that. is the, my least favorite Quentin Tarantino movie wow. of all of them. Even, with the exception of Death Proof. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, come on, Death Proof. <laughs> Only because I forgot about that one. Um, this movie almost felt like a parody of a uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh boy. I didn't hate it. Uh, but I didn't love it. And there was a lot of things that I thought um, he it was incredibly boring in parts. And it was one of those movies, too, where I thought the setup was fantastic. I thought, like, all right, we're meeting these characters. We're seeing everyone's got some kind of weird secret, and we're learning about them. And they're like, okay, I'm ready to go. We're at the cab. Let's see. Okay, I'm ready to go. It's 90 minutes later, and I'm still ready to go. And mm-hmm. literally, it's way too long. You could cut an, at least an hour out of this film yeah. uh, and not lose anything Mm -hmm. and um i disagree that i think that a lot of it took place in this small cabin and there was only a couple of sweeping open shots i think if you're going to shoot in 70 millimeter show me the western Mm -hmm. show me the town show show me me why you chose to do there's no reason for this to be in 70 millimeter at all i mean Mm, you have a couple opening shots at the beginning that are beautiful there's no question Mm -hmm. and the thing about quentin tarantino's filmmaking it's always competent like you know the music score was a homage to western scores and you know you have these sweeping things you have these uh, archetypal western characters and that was kind of the point yep. you put eight of these and by the way the counting is off there were more than eight people in the cabin oh boy they have uh, <laughs> and you know that immediately when you see the cast list at the beginning I'm like well that's huh. more than eight people <laughs> well I, 
I don't want to know uh, anymore. That is not. Wanna, a, that is not a spoiler, by the seems, way. When they get there, but I'm going to be just a, another. That's going to be in my head yeah. when I'm when I'm watching. Yeah, you're going to count them. I'm going to make sure because to count. I found myself counting. I'm like, what? It's the eighth people. No, there's. You just count them and like, okay, no, that's. Uh, but that's. But fine. only eight of them are hateful. Maybe. Yeah, that. The last guy's a real be. sweetheart. I won't. I, I won't give anything away <laughs> on the hateful Find nature the of the eight. Yeah. Is it Brad Pitt? Is there a cameo? Definitely. It could have been. It certainly could have been for sure. Guys, be cool. But I I really felt like this was. It was almost like there was a lot of like cinematic masturbation in it. It was a lot of like there was yeah, too he much. Does. He does, which, that. yeah, he does. But this one, I thought, took it to a level I did I wasn't interested in because mm-hmm. it was so much and for so long. Every even to the point where all of a sudden this voiceover comes in the middle of nowhere, and it's you know it's Quentin Tarantino, and he's just saying when now when we last left our characters, I'm like what are you doing? This is we're already over an yeah. hour and a half into the movie, and now you're going to add a voiceover. <laughs> I already know a, what they've been that, doing. Did you have an intermission? At I did not have an intermission that comes in after the intermission. Yeah, I figured that was uh, the that spot makes, where the intermission cool. would be. Um, but without the intermission, it works even less <laughs> because you don't have that break. But then, but then it continues through like uh, like the second half of the film. Like it wasn't even just after the intermission. It just, hmm. There was a couple more too, and there was. It was one of those movies that I was really excited about and I was really into at the beginning because I loved meeting and and Quentin Tarantino. He is the best at introducing a situation and characters mm-hmm. you are immediately drawn in i want to find out what happens to right. these people i want to find out what's mm-hmm. going on with these characters i love every single person that's coming up but it went on so long and it dragged on so long and there was so much meaningless dialogue that i was like well now i don't care as much about mm-hmm. these people mm-hmm. and then there was one i don't want to give anything away but there was one horrific uh scene involving um uh, non-consensual oral sex, <laughs> and it was absolutely um, uh, very disturbing, and it was also completely unnecessary in the film. Um, I well, thought it was great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was like, your favorite yeah. part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, I got to jerk off to it. So, uh, it was so but it was it was yeah, one of those things me. where <laughs> it was like, well, now is he just trying to shock me? This has nothing to do with this. Wasn't necessary to the story. This is just. To make you cringe in your seat. That's the only reason this mm. the scene would be in there. So I really felt like this was like halfway to a good Quentin Tarantino movie. It just did a lot of things that were just really annoying and long and drug out. And I really felt like if he had spent a little more time on um, making a tighter story, not necessarily changing the story, but just making it tighter and leaner and actually telling it in a more... Um, economic way than just going through all these crazy because also if you have an epic western where you're going through towns and sweeping landscapes and stuff over three hours i don't care i'm on board but you're in a cabin that's tough you're in a cabin and you have this overly long um epic film that doesn't need to be that right so i really felt like this was kind of an opportunity like well let's you know let's make a smaller movie and it wasn't the case at all it just went on and on and on and on now like i said i didn't hate it but i certainly didn't love it It was probably my other than death but my least favorite quentin tarantino movie and i love his films they're yeah. always interesting and and i i was thinking too as i was watching this movie we always talk about it'd be interesting to see quentin tarantino what he would do with another genre like what he would do with a james bond movie mm-hmm. and I was thinking about it more, and I'm not sure if I would want to see now <laughs> because <laughs> it's such a double-edged sword. Because yeah. you think, is he too Quentin Tarantino to be able to do anything else to jump to like a, a one of these other movies to do a James right. Bond or something right. like that? 
He'd have to or, subver- subvert his or yeah. sub- push his ego down. Or would he word, create some, Yeah. <laughs> Suppress. Suppress. Thank you. Suppress or would he ego. create something brilliant? Because he would take his um, sensibilities and put it into this mold. So you yeah, don't yeah. know. Um, but I, it, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if this movie is any indication, he has no intention of making anything other than a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. Like, I, I, even if there's offers coming in, I don't see him even. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, if Marvel comes to him, anybody comes to him, I don't think like you know Disney is like and no. I, I think part of it is though, and, and we've talked about this so many times on this show, but it 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 bears repeating with regards to to Quentin Tarantino, which is sometimes I feel like when a director has established this as their style, they then feel like in every movie they have to go. Well, I have to do this because yeah. I do it in every. Movie. That's really like what Spike it felt Lee like. It with felt, the weird dolly. Yes, thing it felt really forced. Someone's like, riding a tricycle. Okay, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> at some point we're going to see over the top violence. Okay, all right. right now I see we have over the top violence, but it's not you really in have an interesting a long, way. Really long scene. And yeah, a long there's got to be lots of dialogue. Somebody's going to make dialogue. a speech. There's going to be a very tense dialogue between two characters in a, in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why Tarantino really like exploded on the world of film in the nineties is because he was doing something that on paper sounded almost impossible and definitely boring, but making it really entertaining, which is basically character and dialogue driven movies. Yes. With, with bursts of violence. And And look at, look at the way he structured Pulp Fiction. I mean, it was an interesting thing that he did with the whole genre. Well, and also too, when he came on, you're, you're coming off of the eighties and early nineties of just blockbuster. Everything was a blockbuster with quick dialogue. So he came in and went, I'm bringing back this old style. And also on the other end, he was coming from independent film, which was merchant ivory in the eighties. It was, it was super boring really pretentious, yeah. slow, punishingly obscure movies. And he was like, I think his big revelation, if whether it was intentional or not or conscious or not, was what if independent movies were fun? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what if you could actually be entertained even as it's doing something artistic and interesting structurally and, you know, mm-hmm. in other ways. And so th- that that formula is great in the right balance. But like I've seen with, with death, definitely with death proof. Uh, and maybe with, with, with this one, uh, is that if, if it goes out of balance in one way or the other, whether it's too much dialogue or too, too long, this like, one definitely, but, felt even, like, out of but even like in glorious bastards, which is really cool. And then he would bring in these like 70s style, yeah. like he brought these graphics and you're like, Oh, I thought I was watching a world war two movie, right. but you were watching, um, a, Tarantino. a Quentin Tarantino world yeah. war two movie. And I really think 70s he, references. Yeah, he didn't and want I, you to forget. And I think <laughs> he was yeah. behind it. And I think that's one of the problems that he's having right now is it's like, okay, well now we saw, uh, we saw a Quentin Tarantino samurai movie. Now a Quentin Tarantino um, western. Now, like he's doing, like, well, this is my spin on this genre. I'm like, yeah. no, you don't have to do your spin on a genre. You could actually just make a compelling film and not have to worry about that would hitting have... every Quentin Tarantino sure. beat that you exactly. know. Exactly, he could expected. he could do that with with he'd cast it really well. He's excellent yes. at that. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's excellent at dialogue. Mm-hmm. He's excellent at character and story. Yes. Just but, tighten but, that shit up. But he had, yeah. they, that would require him to grow up a little bit, you know. Like you <laughs> have to, you have to get up. You're gonna have to get over yourself slightly to to do that kind of thing. And I don't know. That's part of the Holly. He's probably in the, the Hollywood bubble where everyone's kissing his ass and telling him how well, great he is. It's literally. It's just when he makes a movie. It's now that Miramax isn't there anymore. He's still producing with Bob and Harvey Weinstein. I'm sure it's just. What what's your next whatever movie, you Quentin? Do. Yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want. It. Yeah, uh-huh. but and that's okay, except that. 
um, what's weird is I, I feel like he did kind of fall out of like in the 2000s. It took a while to make, you know, I forget, maybe after Jackie Brown. What, what came after Jackie Brown? Jackie like Brown was 97, stretch. and then Kill Bill 1 and 2 was 03 and 04. Yeah, there was a long stretch there. And I feel like by the time Kill Bill came around, it was like the bloom was a little off the rose for some people. Oh, well, the studio was scared to death of Kill Bill yeah. because it was so long. Uh, well, it was supposed to be one movie. Yeah. And then uh, I think there was a quote like Harvey Weinstein, uh, he saw the... Um, uh, the rushes and he said just make your movie quentin yeah. and then that's when they decided break it into two right yeah and um but i, I i'll tell you i love kill bill i think I that's, that's that's Here's one of thing. my favorites i read that script for i was reading scripts for a living back then and mm-hmm. and i was the biggest T- tarantino was was my favorite mm-hmm. filmmaker at that time i i was in film school when pulp fiction came out and so mm-hmm. and and i and i saw reservoir dogs in high school and it was like Oh my God, this guy right. is amazing. Like it was, it was my whole world basically. It was like, this is what it's about. This is about like, you're, you're, you're breaking these conventions over your knee and like, just, just saying, fuck you like right. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like this is mm-hmm. a new age. And by the time Kill Bill, so I read Kill Bill and I was like, this is awesome. But it was a, he, he writes in a very, like, just as you would expect, he writes in a way that a, mo- a script could be 200 pages, but that could actually be a two-hour movie. You know what I mean? Most right. scripts are 120 pages. Well, so it's like, not like he's handing it off to another director. He's right, literally yeah. writing it for himself. And, and like it's super detailed. Like the shot descriptions are ridiculous. Like right. it's like a page long. He's which storyboarding in the screenplay. Yeah, because it's for himself. Exactly. And so when I read yeah. it, I was like, "This will be awesome when it gets translated into film." But instead of like taking all that and and making like a like one great movie. I feel like he got carried away and 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 was became very self indulgent and was like I can't cut anything like that that Michael Madsen scene doesn't need to be in the movie mm-hmm. you could you could make a and I actually a friend of mine a, a friend of mine is an editor and after that movie after they came out we were like let's make our own <laughs> like Kill Bill let's make the one perfect Kill Bill and I I would even say like you could make like a ninety minute Kill Bill that would be unbelievably awesome and it would be in and out and with tight and all the best stuff. You don't need any of the other stuff. And that's so ever since then, I've kind of been been in my head of like he he's a little too in love with his own work. And that's always been the case, probably. But he had limitations early on budget limitations and and maybe some other limitations of people who actually had the power to say no to him. Right. And he doesn't have that anymore. And uh, unfortunately, he's like Indy Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we, I mean, we, again, it's something I, I remember. I think we had it was like Jim Bruce was on this show and he was like, limitations are good. Mm hmm. You need it forces you to be more creative. Sort of, you, you find that's yeah. why all those like that's why Hitchcock movies are like Hitchcock probably would have made three and a half hour movies too if he could have, but <laughs> like he couldn't. Like that wasn't allowed, and yeah, all the those studio guys. Was like, so this is your schedule. So yeah, I think right. you, you may have liked it a little more than me, um, but I was yeah, I was I was kind of disappointed. I I, I think I, I felt, didn't I didn't hate it though. Like you know, it's a Quentin Tarantino yeah. movie. There's always something to yeah. find to like in there. But I think I was I. The thing that appealed to me the most was the overall experience and the creative yeah. aspect of that. That I love that. That but, to me, I was like, go for it. That's like, all I wanted, right. actually. When I heard that they were doing mm-hmm. that, like, sort of uh, roadshow presentation, uh-huh. I was like, this is cool because, like, I I love movies and I I love when you can actually have an experience that feels like this is being presented in a way that respects people who love mm-hmm. movies and respects the movies themselves. Um, you know, it'd be great if the movie lived up to that sort of yeah. thing. But I don't actually, I was wondering, do you guys remember as kids ever seeing movies with inter- intermissions? Uh, yes. 
when I, I know when Gandhi came out, there was intermission. I didn't see it because I was a kid. I don't I think as a kid, but me. I remember like in revivals, I would see them. Uh-huh. Like uh, when I saw two thousand and one okay. in the movie theater, they put it in intermission, intermission when I was yeah. a little kid and saw a revival of Bridge Over the River Kwai. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember my father telling me about. Um, seeing Seven Samurai in like the 70s, a revival, and they put an intermission on that one. That was a more common practice in the 70s. Well, and so I don't know. Was it just on the really long movies or did a lot of movies? It was long movies. Any movie over like two and a half hours, they put That was like the cutoff. Yeah. But one of the things with these road shows, actually, I was watching the little featurette they made about Hateful Eight um, explaining this approach. And one of the things they would do is they would actually put more footage in this roadshow version. So basically it would be like a print that would go around the country and play for a couple of weeks in every city and there'd be programs in the intermission. And Yeah, the 70 millimeter print is longer than the, yeah. uh, than the regular. Uh, yeah. I even asked the guy at the Arclight, is, is like, ah, oh, it's just a, you know, because this one has an intermission and all that stuff. They actually add all that time <laughs> to yeah, make it, yeah. you know, a different. So, well, the, that slide is probably, yeah. I don't know how they handle that projection wise, but maybe that's just built into the reel. But, but this was, this was literally like a movie would come out. It'd be two hours long because the studios had to make their money and they wouldn't allow things to be longer. And then they would do this roadshow version. It would be two and a half or three or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know if they would ever add that much, but there was a good amount of extra footage that they would thrown in there just to make it a night, you know, make a, make a night of the whole thing basically. Mm-hmm. And what's so funny to me about that is like, I mean, we talk all the time. Uh, we talk about today, I think, uh, about just editing the importance of, of of being succinct. And I just don't always think that more is better. Like, I don't. It's, it's such an interesting thing to be like, okay, it's going to cost twice as much. You're going to go. It's going to be a whole evening. There's going to be an orchestra. There's going to be an intermission, and we're going to show you more movie, and that's going to make it dull. <laughs> like, like, why, like I, I actually would value more. Like, we cut the shit out of this thing and made it super, super perfect. Like, I don't know. There, there's, a, there's a fine line. You know what I mean? Like, like, that's sort of where I'm going from. Like, I've got a babysitter at home. I, I don't yeah. want to go into hour four on this. Like, can we just like... Yeah, your extra footage is costing me money. Yeah, exactly. So I just think that's a weird... I know I understand it. It's like it's like the jumbo size candy bar. But like, <laughs> but like that's not always good for you. And All right. Well, in keeping with that, let's move on to the next movie. Well, actually, no, we got to we got to talk about Squarespace. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, we got um, we want to talk about Squarespace. And one of the things we always say with uh, Squarespace dot com, you know, with the coupon code, you get ten percent off comedy film nerds. Um, It's a very powerful tool to create your own website. But here's the thing: we we always tell you to go to Squarespace not only because you get a great product and you get a great discount, but Squarespace as a company supports this community. They support yeah. podcasting. They support us specifically. They helped us with the movie. I mean, they're a company that um, we want to be in business with and we want you guys to support for sure. You know, honestly, they've, they've supported the festival since year two. Yes. PodFest. And they've always been there for us. And the Squarespace lab is where, you know, they're, just set up a room. They're paying to have a room where you can just come and record your show. And, and it's been this thing now every year there's like, you see the same people in the lab at the festival, like getting all these great interviews, you know, a lot of you guys come in from out of town and where, when would you be able to get like Todd glass and Aisha Tyler and Mark Marin and Jimmy Pardo and all these people in one room, uh, over the course of a weekend. Yeah, that you can interview them while they all come into the Squarespace Squarespace lab. Because they want to, and that's sort of what their whole thing is about is, is and as we they talk, want to empower you, they want to empower you, and that's the thing we've sort of been talking about in this whole like new digital economy. They're part of that, 
and they're supporting it in really in really cool yes. ways. And one of the things too, I wanted to make sure you guys knew when you uh, sign up with Squarespace, you can actually get a uh, free domain if you sign up for a year. And also, they have easy to use tools. It looks professional. You don't have to code, and you can even do a uh, free trial. It's really it's it's very simple. Their templates yes. and stuff like that. And so, if you go to squarespace.com. Uh, and use offer code comedy film nerds. You're going to get ten percent off your first purchase. So you work know, it. Squarespace, build it beautiful, guys. <laughs> um, hashtag work <laughs> it. Um, so, all right, so let's get into. Uh, we talked earlier. Like, you want to talk about Revenant? Yeah, we got. We, wow, it's going to be an ep- extra extra long episode. It is. Well, which one do you want to cut? Should we? Uh, uh, you know what? Why don't I? I'll save Attack on Titan for next. Uh, okay. for next All week. Right. Yeah, let's talk Revenant because it was mm-hmm. we talked about it in the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. So, am I the only guy that saw it? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Okay, no spoilers. No spoilers. Um, I will say this about the Revenant. Um, it, it visually is stunning. It's like they put a high def. It's like it's like someone got in a time machine and put a couple of high def GoPros <laughs> on these fucking crazy mountain trapper <laughs> lunatics and then and then found the footage and went holy shit yeah. like it's Alejandro Iriitu if I'm pronouncing that correctly Iriitu Iriitu yeah, yeah whatever um Ali Ritu that might be as close <laughs> as you've ever been though <laughs> don't forget G uh, it's Alejandro G Iriitu no. which I'm like was there another Alejandro Iñárritu <laughs> in the guild? What the fuck is that G doing in there? Yeah, so many of those guys in the DGA. Um, it's visually stunning. Um, it is a uh, it's it's a really cool story. Now, I I talked to Dave Anthony about this, and he based said, on a true story. Based on a true story. The actual story, and I think he did a dollop on it. His podcast, the dollop, about this actual story, and. It's pretty. It's it's different. And I after he told, I saw the movie, and then I saw Dave, and Dave told me about that. And I kind of wish they would have done the actual story. Really? Yeah. And and maybe we should have Dave on here and do a spoiler up with okay. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so taking that out of the equation for a second, if you don't know the story of it, it's a compelling movie. It's Tom Hardy is great. Uh, Domino Gleason is great. And Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean, this is like... It's his movie. This is his movie. And it's that thing... How did the bear do? <laughs> oh, fuck. That scene is like... I heard they used a real bear or something. Like, I don't... It's fucking terrifying. And there's... The other thing, at, at one point, I was watching this movie and I just finally went, God damn it, enough. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, he's on a horse and they jump off a cliff and you're just like, oh, yeah, what that is was in the next? Clip, yeah. So it's 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 impressive. Um there's you know there's a lot of great performances this year for award season but man he does a great job in this and seems like he does the does the things that the academy wants yeah. they want you to suffer especially a pretty look boy look ugly yeah if you're a pretty boy <laughs> coming yeah. out of the one of the top grossing films you're of all gonna time be, you're going to have to be have to be covered in dirt yeah and you yeah. can't be in a tuxedo you can't have a tan right, right. that, that was the problem with the aviator they're like this guy even though he went crazy mm-hmm. at the end this guy's too slick right. too handsome just got too much money like we need to see you get your ass kicked for two hours literally yeah <laughs> and it is like jesus and admittedly i got a screener from sag and watched it and i got a pretty nice flat screen but i was like oh 
Yeah, this one seems like a, a film. Like I a should have saw experience. this in the theater, and yeah. I'm going to recommend that to anybody. If you have not seen it yet, see it on the big screen because that is yeah. really. It's not like, you know, I don't know, The Danish Girl or Brooklyn or anything like that. I have screeners for those, and I watch Brooklyn, and you know, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, um, right. But like, but like, you know, Trumbo. Do you need to see Trumbo on the big right. screen? It's a great mm-hmm. movie, and there's great mm-hmm. performances in it. But but this, like, see the Revenant on a big screen. Right. It's right. a good film, and cool. it's worth it's worth all of its nominations and awards that it's getting. Excellent. Well, I'm yeah, looking I'm forward so. to it. Yeah. Too. Um, okay. So why don't we just jump right down to DVDs then? Were we okay. running out of time? A little bit. A little bit. All right. Oh, you want to do? You want to talk about? Let's talk. About All right, let's oh do it. God. Yeah, we got to talk about. I, George I, Lucas. I cannot okay. not talk about Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere about, I go, it's Star Wars, Star Wars, Star yeah. Wars, and that's the way uh, I like. And that's this, why I like it. This, you were you were you, you sent us an email about like, hey, I want to you know get together with you guys. And we're like, oh, we're in Australia. Going, we're going to go to, and you were like, oh, that's right, you're doing that thing. I'm insanely jealous of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was ridiculously like, I, I was I was in full media blackout mode probably when I sent that email because as from the second. The, the premiere happened. I was like, no social media. Yeah, I don't yeah. want anything spoiled. Right. Right. And uh, until Thursday. So I had like a good week of actually very healthy uh, offline yeah. <laughs> activity. Yeah. <laughs> Felt great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't know why I don't do it more, I more often. It's I should important probably just do, do it completely. Um, so we want to so talk, about- talk about George Lucas, uh, his reaction, and also J.J. Abrams' reaction to the uh, um, the fans and their um, problems with the film. Criticism. Uh, now, I, I want to say, first of all, before we get into it, um, you know, if you're a basically a privileged millionaire sometimes even a billionaire, billionaire. um you yeah. probably shouldn't be a crybaby yeah, what the fuck do you stuff. care yeah yeah, yeah literally and, and it everyone's was, gonna like you all the time and george lucas when he sold his company for four billion dollars right. um and then he's acting like what, what like he he his quote was he, he, he sold his children to white slavers yeah that's he what called he disney white slavers yeah <laughs> for 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 take it's like dude they paid you $4 billion. Yes. No yeah. one is a slave for that amount of money. Yeah. No. Uh, also, I just don't know. And no actual people exchanged hands. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Slavery is he one did party didn't want it. Oh, yeah. And then as soon as, as soon as that hit the wire, I'm like, okay, it's going to be 24 hours or less, and we'll get an apology or a clarification. And I sure enough, I didn't even day. see it until I saw the, 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 yeah. the, the statement in the apology came at, at once from, yeah. from my eyeballs. It must have been that quick that he was like, okay, whoa, I should not yeah. have said that. Yeah. I yeah. am a multi-billionaire. Yeah. I should not be talking about slavery. Yeah. <laughs> or at least talking about myself as being the, the yeah. victimized party in yeah. a slave situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. And you could tell every interview now. He's like a little more guarded on what he's saying, but also there's that hint of like um, resentment, like uh, because yeah. he sent um, notes over like how he wanted he, the next he movie went, to go. He had the treatments. He was yeah. like, "Here, and, and, uh, oh, thank you for the four billion. Here are my uh, golden uh, treatments yes. for these movies." Yeah. And uh, Disney went in a different direction. Yeah. And you know what? For four billion dollars, don't take it personally. Well, he's a look. He's entitled to have his feelings. Whether he wants to share them with the public, that's maybe another matter. I just, I, I mostly just feel like um, he really deep down, I think, wanted everyone to. And this is actually happening in a crazy small corner of the internet. But I think deep down, he wanted this movie to fail and for everyone to go, "We were wrong about the prequels. We're sorry. We're sorry that we were didn't love them or appreciate them the way." You, we were supposed to, or you wanted us to, he thought, I think he deep like that, that was like, cause he was pouting about it. Like selling the company was him pouting about the reaction to the prequels. And so I think I'd like to think it was a little more than that. <laughs> and that was the reason. Well, no, but he said, he literally said that he literally, like he 
didn't need the money. He was already a billionaire. I mean, right. he fucking made these movies. So, like, it wasn't about the money. It was about... Oh, I guess people don't want my movies anymore. So well, I, I think well it was also him still moving the franchise forward where he was getting too old. He can't do these there's, anymore. There's and part they're... of him that maybe felt like, look, these deserve to live. And he's, I agree with him. And I'm glad and that he And who else could have bought it but Disney? Yeah, right. That's it. The right, I think the right people got it. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't want anyone else being in charge of it. Disney, I used to be a little iffy on. But they've, they, I think they have a grasp on what you know good storytelling is about. And But like mostly, I just kind of feel like this guy... Uh, I'm glad he recognized that th- that it's important for these things to live on. Whether they can ever live up to the originals, no, they can't. Like obviously, that's that was a time and a place. Like he he basically cracked open this whole thing of like what if what if sci-fi was fun? What if effects were super realistic? Uh, what if like what if Flash Gordon had had good production values? Right, right. Uh, yeah. What if like, I made a samurai slash western movie in space? Right, right. Mm-hmm. All like combine all these things in a really smart, interesting way and pull everything and have every element of it be other than maybe the performances and the direction of the performances have everything be so on point. The the score is one of the but greatest But when it came scores. out, you bought it. You bought the performances yes. and stuff. Now it they don't, didn't do matter. they hold up? It, right. It doesn't, it's but different. yeah, but because that, yeah. that didn't matter. So like everything has to walk in that shadow, right? Right. And we'll talk about like JJ's answer to the critics too, but like everybody has to, who's going to touch this stuff has to live with the, the humongous shadow that, that the original movies cast. The, or at least especially the first movie but um so thank god that he was like yeah yeah let, let's people want more let's let's yeah, find yeah. a way to give them more i don't mm-hmm. want to do it i don't want to put myself up right like, to be kind i would say he probably didn't want to live through the experience that he went through with the prequels right. where he was probably in a bubble for a while but eventually he must have heard that people were like oh this is god awful yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, are, you have failed sir like this i'm sure that reached good. him eventually yeah he yeah. heard he must have heard about it somewhere but like and there are people who love those movies but like uh, mostly but we don't talk to them those people no. misguided <laughs> young souls we, yeah. we have we have canceled uh, our our subscription our to their friend subscriptions <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh yeah so like i'm glad it's living on i i think he needs to shut up probably <laughs> uh it would help him yeah i think if you uh, yeah. just be gracious you know and, and it, you could just leave it at like you know it's not what i would have done but i wish them all the best you know that i mean are, are there any things that you think he would have had like had a positive impact on because i was thinking about this uh i think about star wars constantly so like this is one of the things i was thinking like because he's like you know one of the things that i think he deserves credit for even with the prequels is like he's great at creating worlds like he's great at building worlds you know i think that's a good point and we talked about this a little in the in the spoiler rep we did with dean Haglin, which is dean was was talking about this as well as he wanted to make the complaints of oh wow this was just a reboot of a new hope yeah i think those wouldn't have happened right and he really wanted to focus on, like in the books, of how does the galaxy, like, rebuild itself yeah. now that the Empire's not around. Right. Well, and, and we will give him that credit. Those prequels were nothing like the original sure. films. <laughs> and uh, But he did take that time to create the new worlds and the new environments. Right. That's, and, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, look... People, there was so much else to focus on that was terrible in episode one that people kind of missed the fact that it 
does involve a young, a, a blonde boy on the planet Tatooine who right. discovers he has an amazing power and then at the end flies a spaceship into a space station and blows it up. So don't say that those movies never echoed anything. And like even in the original trilogy, how many goddamn asteroid fields are these people going right, to fly right. into? <laughs> like it, the part built into Star Wars is repetition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that's part of the experience. And and to pe- for people to ding this movie on that is it? Yeah, maybe there were one or two too many. Like for some people's liking, for some people's we case. didn't need a third Death Star. Yeah, yeah, just like we didn't need a second Death Star. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, I, that's that's a that's that, like you what could was say that, that conversation? Like, all right, now I know the set, the first two got blown up, but this third one, this I, one's gonna work. I bet the conversation was. Well, we got to have a Death Star. Yeah. How could we make it different? What if it's a planet? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's a planet instead of a space station. Perfect. That's different enough. And, like, will they have a secret thing that you have to fly yeah. through to blow it up? Yeah. But don't worry. There will still be a trench yeah. and a, um, yeah. and, and a shield and a scaffolding. has to be shut down. Yeah. yeah. And, a, and yeah. a scaffolding with no railing. <laughs> right. Don't worry. That'll well, still they, be there. Are, yeah. They were never up to code, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, when you're off on your own yeah. system, you don't need to worry yeah, about it's inspectors. Expe- <laughs> it's expensive to build giant pits. Yeah. And yet, they're every Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I guess that was my main reaction to that reaction was like, there's plenty to criticize in the original movies and people have done it because they've been around 40 years. You can go right. in and go like, that's kind of yeah. silly or that's kind of weird. Uh-huh. But if now, the overall thing works, all you're doing is spoiling your own good time if you want right. to focus on the fucking nitpicking Now, stuff. I will say like, uh, like when J.J. Abrams reacted to that criticism that it was too much like A New Hope yeah. and his reaction to the criticism was that... Um, it was a very petty response. And he said, well, it's like, you know, when George Lucas made Star Wars, he pulled from, uh, you know, all these different places like, you know, samurai movies and westerns and stuff. No, 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 no. That's you different. That's completely different. Well, he made a new yeah. movie, uh, you know, based on his love of genres of different movies. You made the movie that's in the, <laughs> that's the exact same right. movie. Yeah, that's yeah a, like the equivalent yeah. would have been if you had gone back and yeah. pulled from like, right. you know, like some other movies. from. You didn't make a ago. movie that had uh, a Magnificent Seven in it. Right. You know, like you didn't make the exact same cowboy movie that you supposedly were influenced by. So that it's a very but that, tepid did you, response. Did you just read, did, did you read that or did you listen to, because he did an interview. No, I, I read that response, but here's the other thing about it. Now, I, I know uh, um, one of the things that I, we were actually very forgiving that it was a, you know, a lot of stuff was from A New Hope that mm-hmm. kind of um, mirrored it. Because I, I, would didn't say, I would say it's from all three. I would yeah. say that the movie is sure. the original trilogy. Right. Basically. Well, well I, it was, I think it was closer to A New Hope than the actual trilogy. But if but. you think about, like, the idea of, are you talking spoilers now or are you not talking spoilers about Star Wars mm-hmm. on your show? Uh, we 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 put them in actual spoiler apps, so okay. So I won't say yeah. anything specifically, but I would say like the first part of it. I mean, yes, there are echoes of New Hope throughout it, right? But, but there's some some relationship stuff that happens that's very Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back, and then there is um, you know, the specifics of the third act. I think yes, it's like a New Hope, but it's right. also even maybe more like uh, Jedi because Jedi involves Han Solo having to shut down the shield right. on Endor before they can attack. So it's, right. it's like, I think that was intent. And that's what, that's what, if you listen to the interview that the Hollywood reporter did with JJ Abrams, he basically says this was very intentional. Like, yeah. We, and we that, felt like we had to go backwards to go forwards. For and that's fine. And, and that's perfectly fine because that was a very intentional thing. You're, you're going to kind of mirror the, the movie, but also start again. I mean, we made the comment before in the spoiler app is like very forgiving about that. Mm-hmm. But if the next movie is just like empire strikes back, then no, I'm not yeah. going to be, you 
he, as he pretty forgiving. explicitly said, and he's not yeah. he's not super involved in the next right. two. But he said the the next two probably won't be like that because what, what we had to do was you we had to, to relaunch this thing basically. and introduce right. new characters, set everything yeah. up. So I was very forgiving and all this stuff, and yeah. it was fine. Now the thing about J.J. Abrams is that you know, and this is um, this is going to sound like an insult, but it, it really isn't. Is one of the things he's really good at is capturing the nostalgia of another director, like whether yeah. it's Spielberg or Lucas, yeah. and making it feel um, like it's also new. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things he can do. He can give you that, well, like we've seen this before, but it also feels kind of new. And he's yeah. really, really good at that. So I thought he was the perfect person to relaunch yeah. this franchise. Yeah, yeah it's um, a, there's some self-awareness that, you know, the, the original movies don't have the same type of self-awareness of what they are and what they're doing. Right. But I think that's part of where we are in culture. Well, how many years ago? Was yeah, it 40? 40. Yeah. yeah. And so what, we'd could have they, to. What is the first one going to reference? And there was no pop right. culture then. There was no yeah. social media. There was yeah. just like yeah. magazines and TV. Yeah. It kind of, they kind of like, they kind of made the movie they had to make. I mean, like I look at it this way, like the, the, the optimist view of it is that you have those familiar elements so that you can have a female lead and you can have right. uh, an African-American actor and you can have things that are not familiar to star Wars that are new, that are exciting. Like I'm excited. I like, I think one of the most amazing things about this movie is that those new characters are great. I think yes. Kylo Ren is a, is a really compelling villain, like way more interesting because of his backstory and because of what he's dealing with and what he's going well, through. Ray is a really interesting character too. Yeah. It's, you know, a strong, and, but what I really loved about the Ray character is not only do you have a strong female lead, but also you have it where she's not a princess. Yeah. You have her coming from these humble beginnings and it was tough. Having, had to like, be yeah, exactly. Fucking badass. Right. Yeah. And she just to two years from now, it yeah. turns out Ray's a princess. Yeah. Just to survive. That would be hilarious in a bad way. If that's what was revealed, your royalty. Oh, I don't have to work anymore. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, no, but she's uncompromising as right. a character. Uh-huh. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I think, and, and then, you know, there were people trying to ding that too. Like, oh, she's too perfect. She's a whatever the stupid fanfic uh, derogatory term for uh, what is it? Like a Daisy May or a Sally Sue or whatever. You guys I, know about that whole no, thing? I'm not. Uh, God. I don't know. This is the, this was a stupid about? percolating thing on the internet. Uh, uh, well, you know what? Uh, I think the goal here for you, Matt, is to stay off the internet for <laughs> a little more. Yeah, yeah. Super, yeah. Super, super good point. Yeah. No, I know because that's if you want to if you want something you love to be ruined, all you need to do is, <laughs> is log in. Go to Google. Yeah. yeah. Or go to Facebook and see what the biggest asshole you know is saying about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's that sounds like a plan of what not to do <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, now we want to talk about what's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, Sinister 2. I'm sure if you enjoyed the first one, you'll probably enjoy the next one. I'm not okay. as familiar with this franchise. Fine. Great. Um, Irrational Man. This is, we were talking about Woody Allen earlier. And I love the... Um, um, the description of this film a, a tormented philosophy professor finds a will to live when he commits an existential act <laughs> now that literally tells Be you less specific yeah nothing <laughs> now and this is what i love and, and it's just called irrational man now let's go to our next movie on the dvd and blu-ray list paranormal activity the ghost dimension is there any doubt in your mind what this movie is about <laughs> no. it, is it, it all unclear I as to what you're gonna see, to see it. yeah <laughs> you've told me everything perfect um 
And you want to check out, if you want more in-depth uh, Star Wars coverage, CJ and Neil have done uh, written reviews a, yeah. of uh, the Star yeah, Wars The Force Awakens. This is the and third episode. I'll give CJ, yeah, I'll give CJ a lot of credit. Uh, that uh, that article was up literally right after yeah. we he left the bar was, in, uh, in Melbourne. <laughs> it was crazy. I don't even know when. He, he must have written it as he was driving. Um so and premiering this week now this is interesting 13 hours the secret Jesus soldiers of Christ. benghazi michael bay is now rewriting what happened in benghazi <laughs> it's it was not 13 hours like it's it's <laughs> this is one of is those because we of... didn't hate michael bay enough he felt like he had to like <gasps> throw in with the uh well, it's anti- weird that a movie like this would come out during an election oh, year God. Very, isn't that, very isn't that it's just very it's, it's very surprising yeah i, I mean th- this is very a very calculated political kind of Film release. Fake on the Mitchell um, Zukoff book. Um, the screenplay was done by Chuck Hogan. So I, I don't know if this is going to be just a complete, I guess you could say, like a polemic, um, you know, a screed against. Or if it'll uh, just be like, hey, it's just an action movie. And then like they subtly try to slip in. Right. Like, exactly. Because, right you know, Michael Bay <laughs> isn't really known for nuance. Right. So yeah. I, I, I don't know what side of bad this movie is going to fall on, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it will be unwatchable for many different reasons. The fact that it's coming out the third week of January tells me this yeah. is not going to be one it's of the It's not even good films. enough to be released in February. But right. at least the runtime is 144 minutes. Wow, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. They, they missed a real opportunity. Uh, so they, they wanted should, to try to actually make it 13 hours. I was going to say, they should yeah. just make this movie 13 hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Real-time movie, oh, like 88 God. minutes. Now, speaking of a political... Um, polemic. Uh, Norm of the North is about a polar bear. So no, this, I don't know what this one's. <laughs> it is. A, it is. It's a polar I've bear. Seen the trailer, but it here, looks like garbage. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those kind of. Uh, this is that time of the year. Here's what you do now. This time yeah. of year, all of these Oscar movies and award movies that got limited releases in December to under- right. This is now you yeah. go see those. They're starting to go yeah, wide. Yeah. So go watch. Can, go watch these. all these movies now. As a gamer, you know the term um, shovelware. Yeah. Now, these animated movies feel like shovelware. Totally. To even literally, because they look like bad video game graphics. Right, like they, exactly. They're not even well animated. So you look at it and you're like, God, that looks like a cutscene from a shitty right. video yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's what Norman the North looks like to me. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it doesn't look good at all. And it was one of those things where, like, you know, all these subpar animated movies started cropping up when you know when they saw how much money. Well, and the, because the the, the, I think the the production it became cheaper to it sure did to create three yeah. D animation. Yes, and so all these weird companies came out of the woodwork. Like, right. It's not just the Disney's and the DreamWorks and the Pixar's no. anymore. There's mm-hmm. like I don't know who made this movie, but it's definitely one of those like outlier companies. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Foreign funded, made it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they'll, you know, that'll probably, because here's the thing, you know this from having kids. It's like, you do you do make a certain amount of money right out of the gate if you're the only movie for kids yes. at a certain time of year because so it's instantly that. it's two tickets right you know you yeah. you've immediately sold two yeah parent and kid right and like I luckily my kids aren't so like they don't they're kind of picky about seeing movies so Good. like they should wouldn't, be they wouldn't even I wanted to see Good Dinosaur and they wouldn't they were like nah. So I was like, all right, forget that movie. But yeah, well, like, and they so were they right. They have no interest in this one. <laughs> but like, I've been I've been dragged to a few of those movies where you're just like like Nomeo and Juliet, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Some of these movies are just uh, excrement. Yeah, <laughs> just a fucking Nomeo st- and Juliet. Yeah. That really happened? Yeah, yeah. It was it was money gu- was made. It was spent. garden gnomes out playing out the story of Romeo and Juliet. You know, like the. 
those porcelain things. I don't want to look at the movie poster. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't. Oh, but, but don't worry. It's it's scored to the music of Elton John. Oh, <laughs> oh why In case it, it wasn't disgusting oh. enough. Yeah. And if you yeah, want to yeah, get yeah, angrier yeah, yeah. at uh, George Lucas, you could see his uh, animated movie that he oh, produced, man. that Strange Magic. Oh, great. Uh, but if you really want to be entertained, look at the IMDb reviews of Strange Magic. And uh, <laughs> people took it very personally, how bad this film was and how they uh, wasted their time bringing their children to see it and they're even I'm angrier. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nomeo and Juliet sounds like a joke title in like an episode of 30 Rock. Yeah. Like, it literally had to have been Someone was sitting around going, hey, gnomes, gnome, you has like gnome, you had gnome, gnome, and Juliet. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> like, that was yes. the whole entire, yeah. Yeah. that was all that went Somebody into Somebody find me foreign funding. It, yeah. It really was. Like, it, it was. And then somehow they ran, they got like Elton John to be like, yeah, if you guys want to use my old songs, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. just pay me. Like, What's the license like, fee? Relativ- yeah. Relativity Media just has a room where they have words. Yeah. It's like that magnetic poetry set. Yeah, yeah. You just go like, uh, dude. It's kind of like a, a no vision board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lack shoot, of vision board. Shoot yeah. patrol. Yeah. And they just sit around. That's yeah. their pitch meetings. No, that's what most children's programming is, too. They're like, uh, dinosaur train. Trucks. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's an actual thing, yeah. dinosaur Aww. train. And then there's like dino trucks, too, yes. or they're like half Can, mechanical dinosaur trucks. Candy, race car candy. Yeah, yeah. Candy. So, yeah, uh, okay. Uh, How about yeah. bird uh, bird car, bird pizza, yeah, bird yeah. pizza, yeah. <laughs> oh, hot dogs and bunnies. Yep. There's bird all these sorts pizza. of programming out there now. Pizza. Hashtag they're, bird pizza. Pizza made of birds. Or wait, birds made of pizza. Oh, whatever. Well, which which could it be? Yeah. It's a back to back. Uh, and the last movie is um, this is in limited release Band of Robbers. This is an wait, interesting. You forgot idea. Ride Along too. Oh, I forgot Jesus. Oh man, you know you what? Forget? Kevin Hart is short. I don't know if you watched the <laughs> yeah. Golden Globes. He's I short. guess the first one made enough money to warrant a sequel. Oh, can't wait. All right, wasn't barely was aware of it. Training Day is over. <laughs> yeah. Right, you know, the brothers in Ride Along too. Ride again. Um, What's you know, Band of Robbers? I'm a big fan of. Kevin Hart, I think he's really funny. I just wish he would, somebody would say, look, you know, we're going to put you in a good movie. God damn it. Um, Band of Robbers is an interesting uh, indie. I saw the trailer, and it's a, it's a very indie, very, like, real low budget. And they, it's a, um, if Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn were adults, and they still acted like Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn looking for treasure. So uh, I saw the trailer and it was really intriguing because, like I said, it's it's, it's real low budget, real indie, it's and uh, an Adam Nee. Yeah, and I do like um, when classic literary characters are put in contemporary settings. I think sometimes that can be fun. So I don't know I, if this is playing near you. Uh, I don't even know if it's near us, but uh, check it out. Uh, Band of Robbers. Cool. So wow, this is a supersized episode, huh? Big Sorry, bonus. guys. Mm-hmm. Me and my big mouth. No, we had a lot to talk yeah, about because we've been away for a couple Lots weeks. To talk about. Well, that's uh, that is our episode. Yeah, we'll talk about Attack on Titan next week. We will, and mm-hmm. maybe I've shit. I've seen so many movies. I saw Concussion. I saw. Yeah, we'll be we'll be uh, slowly stuff. rolling them out. Slowly rolling them out because I'm not going to go see 13 Hours or fucking Norm of the Ride Along or whatever. Norm of the Ride Along Robbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Um, Don't forget to talk about Star Wars for 20 minutes, though. Yeah, yeah, do that, too. <laughs> That's important. So, uh, well, so, Matt, where can people find you and all the things you're doing? Uh, Never Not Funny is uh, the podcast I co-host with Jimmy Pardo. That's at nevernotfunny.com. It's also on Earwolf. Man, um, I was watching you guys 
did you guys go down to Mexico for the? We did. How, how, talk yeah. about that briefly. Uh, that was, was like that amazing. was incredible. Yeah, we Just we for do Smile Train. Yeah, we do a, a charity event every year called Podcastathon, which is a twelve-hour live podcast uh, to support Smile Train. We raise money for Smile Train, and they go to third-world countries to fix cleft lip and palates uh, for for kids. And um, it's a great cause. It's, it's it's what we liked about it was that it's like two, $250 and 45 minutes uh, is all it takes to really change someone's life because, you know, without the surgery, they have trouble eating, they have trouble speaking, uh, you know, sometimes they're in their community, they're sort of shunned. Um, but yeah, we got to go down there. We got to go to Chiapas, Mexico um, and meet the doctors and, and families and kids who, who've, uh, you know, kids who've had the surgery, uh, and the, the, the doctors who've done it and, and the, the families who've been, you know, had their lives changed by this. Uh, and it was unbelievable. It was, uh, myself and Jimmy and, and Pat Francis, um, and, uh, just life changing. I mean, I, I don't, it's, it's hard to express, um, because you read stuff and you see stuff and we've been involved with this charity for six years now or seven years. And, um, so we kind of knew some of the information about how it works, but it's one thing to like know it. And then it's another thing to like actually meet people and like just the, the love and warmth and, and, and just the, the gratitude. It was, was unbelievable. It's that thing. I mean, I've, I've said it, every American needs to go to a third world country Yeah, and see it. And be, because none of we all, I said, I've said that like, you don't, Till you see it. You have it's, to feel it. You have to kind of feel it. You know right. what I mean? There's no amount of video or film footage. You're watching, oh my God, that's rough. But yeah. you, because you come home now and you, rem, you, you, it stays with you. And then yeah. everything, yeah, then that's what it was right. We went right You're sitting in your Christmas. nice house going, right. wow. Yeah. Some people like, so we visited two families in their homes um, after we like went to a hospital and uh you know saw the kids meeting with the doctor and 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 like having consultations and stuff and then we actually sat in on a surgery or i don't know we didn't sit but uh, well jimmy sat because he got a little lightheaded but, um, oh, wow but yeah we got to watch a surgery from like as far as i am away from you i was oh my God, watching i was basically standing over the sur- the doctor's shoulder as he repaired this cleft lip which was amazing to watch i mean for them this dude like this guy's a badass he's like 70 or something he's been doing this for 30 years and he was just like this is nothing like he's like this is this is so easy like this is the easiest surgery and like watching him do it it was just like it was like watching a, like a master you know like just this unbelievable talent that this guy has but what I was going to say is that, you know, like just the, in general, the experience was, um, you know, so eye opening. like for what you said, like the, 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 the fact that you, you carry it with you and you remember, you know, these people are happy. They have great lives, but they, they, they have very little, you know, they're living in two room houses, like eight, eight, eight person family in a two or three room house. Um, and we got to experience that. And yeah. And so like when your kids are like complaining about not getting a toy or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's all relative. Like you sort of have to find a way to reconcile those things. Sure. Cause it's so, it is, that's exactly what happened. And we were there two weeks before Christmas and I came home in the thick of like Christmas shopping and planning right. and everything. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like it was tough actually to, to go from one extreme to another. Um, but, um, but yeah, it just, it's important, you know, it's, it's important to, I do think it's important for people to experience that firsthand and, and just get a little perspective. How long were you down there? It was like three days. It mm-hmm. was real quick. Um, but, uh, but it was great. Smile train is, they have great people working for them and they were 
great hosts and and they oh, took us great. around yeah so oh i should say just back to the plug section of this uh march 5th uh 2016 that's when podcastathon 2016 will be taking place uh it you, will be live streaming on our website you were doing it around thanksgiving yeah right? we used to do it at thanksgiving every year or the day after thanksgiving every year and um that's just hard with you know first of all it's hard to book because a lot of people are just out of right. town um and and it's hard on us because it's a lot of planning to to pull mm-hmm. up this show you guys know that from doing festivals and, and yeah and you guys have families and it's yes. right so we thought let's maybe give ourselves a break and do this in a time of the year that there's not a million other things happening mm-hmm. and so we took last year off and now we're, we're doing it uh march 5th it'll live stream on nevernotfunny.com um, there'll be tons of great guests. Graham's there often. You've been there a few times, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's been um, a blast. And I, I just want to say this, like on a on a personal note, like when I saw those, first of all, it's something I've always been proud of. It's like one of the things I'm proud of, like you guys specifically, but also the podcast community. Yeah, they like always the, come out the for podcast it. Podcast yeah. community, like Cause, cause, you guys have. Ra- I mean, I remember the first one of the first years, like wow, we raised ten grand, which is amazing. Right. And then yeah. it's been like hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. Yeah, we raised grown exponentially grand last year. We've we've raised seven hundred and fifty thousand. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so, all you guys out there listening, some you know, many of you maybe maybe listen to Never Not Funny and have donated to that. And those of you that haven't. So then, like when I saw the photos a couple mm-hmm. months back, I was like, "God, I was just so proud." Because even when we did the smile train, we did like a little. We did a little one. Yeah. We raised like fifteen hundred or something. Yeah, like it's not that. about you guys, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did a great thing, and I want to stay stay on top. Just, just stay on top. If, if you it is a competition as to <laughs> yeah, who's better. It um, but it's the kind of thing where like the community just comes out for any of these causes, mm-hmm. and it's so great. And it's why, like, you know. Go to Podcastathon and and watch this in March, but but no, and also go look at the photos of these guys down in Mexico because it really puts a connection. So here are the yeah. here are these guys that you listen to on the show every week and you think are hilarious, and you see them like I was like, oh my, that's fucking Pardo. I've known him for whatever twenty yeah. some years right. in Mexico. I've known Pat for twenty years. I've known you for whatever ten or fifteen. Yeah, and I'm just going wow. Yeah, it really. Having and, and I, I haven't been there specifically, but having been to third world countries, yeah. I, it made me go, man, I'm. It's such a cool thing that you're doing, yeah. and it really personalizes it. When you go, holy shit, there's these guys that I know doing this thing in this village. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, you'll actually awesome. see. We, we, they, they, there was there were two photographers with us, and they shot a lot of video, and so there's going to be a little video um, that we'll show at the podcastathon, um, so you guys can see a little bit more of what we got to see what's the date uh, on that <laughs> march 5th, march 5th. <laughs> yeah um march 5th you can stream it you know stream it uh, on our website nevernotfunny.com it'll also i think we'll probably be using youtube like we did last year so it'll be and donate yeah and and please donate yeah the donation links will be up soon actually on our site uh, if you want if like oh, so we, you can donate uh, well you can go to smile train and donate yeah too, yeah right? but there's actually a, a page like a that so the the it, so it counts towards our toll got it you can yeah. actually donate through the podcastathon page there but um but if you even happen to want to be part of the live audience, there's like maybe 80, 70, 80 seats uh, or something like that. There are people who come every year. It's, it's, it's bonkers. It yeah, is it's, so it's, Where do you guys hold it? It's at the Acme Comedy Theater oh, yeah. on, on La Brea. Mm-hmm. I remember and, you guys used to do it over through the uh, yeah. middle of the night. And I'd always come on at like two in the morning or something, which is just so, it yeah. was so great. And we did it the first year at um, at the old studio, remember, in, right. in Pilar's right. office space. And uh and it was ridiculous. I mean, we were just like, what if we did this thing? That time it was nine hours, but we did it from like 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. Right. And uh, it was it was a blast. Like, uh, just we just try to get 
uh, you know, all of our friends, uh, people that we think will be interesting to the audience. We try to get some wild cards, some like crazy celebrities that you wouldn't expect to be there. You guys get uh, big names for yeah, that too. Yeah, there's there's some John some Hamm good stuff. and all these. Yeah, people. Zach Galifianakis, yeah. Sarah Silverman. Um, oh, great. There's there's been some ridiculous Amy Poehler. Um, so yeah, it's always fun. It's it's hopefully entertaining, but also it's for a good cause. And yeah, um, yeah I'm thank you for bringing that up. It's, and that's great. Mm-hmm. I love I love that March fifth. March fifth. March fifth. All the infos uh, will be at nevernotfunny.com. You can follow uh, me on Twitter at Matt Belknap, but also follow Never Not Funny at Never Not Funny on Twitter, and then we're also on Facebook. Sweet. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, I will be headlining uh, in Honolulu this weekend, uh, Hawaiian Brian's. Um, it's through the guys at Mars Comedy. So if you go to my Facebook uh, fan page or my regular Facebook page, you can see the links to tickets there. If you're going to be in uh, Oahu this weekend, check that out. And then I'm in... Uh, hey, you get to go be on another plane. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on a plane in almost a month. Wow. It's been, it's been so awesome. Is that a record? Oh, it's close. <laughs> it's close. Um so yeah, come check that out this weekend, and then I will be um, headlining uh, the Improv at Harris Hotel and Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, February nine through fourteen. That's it. And we want to uh, also mention to you guys, we really appreciate you guys supporting the uh, store, and we've got some really cool stuff. We've got um, uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour T-shirts we have now, so you want to check those out, and also you know a lot of. Uh, a lot of new babies are coming online, so I've been doing some more uh, Pacify Me's, the, um, <laughs> the handbook for the Freaked Out New Dad. I will sign and personalize it for you if you buy it through us. So that's it. All right, guys. That's our show. Thank you so much to Matt Belknap. You're welcome. Thank uh, you. Thank you guys for listening. We love doing the show, and thank you for being here in episode 302 in uh, 2016. I don't know why I'm date stamping it. <laughs> um, but uh, You know, for the uh, time capsule. For the time capsule when society collapses. Yeah. <laughs> and a palm strike <laughs> CD. Um, <laughs> non-biodegradable no, horrible it's my face that doesn't biodegrade yeah. <laughs> that'll serve you well you'll yes. be the last CD on earth yes but it reflects heat so it'll keep you warm oh it's great oh that's so, a good point yeah. so yeah. get this for your apocalyptic make a greenhouse out of them yeah <laughs> out of your CDs you can go with the Martian on this thing <laughs> grow some crops under your CD sh- shelter <laughs> All right, you guys. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han Han shot shot first. first.